This podcast contains language that is not appropriate for children. But if your child has really been far even as decided to use even go want to do more like, then they can probably listen to our podcast, right? And now, a moment of silence for everyone that's been killed by a background check. Hello and thanks for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I am joined by my friend Natalie. Hey Dan. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm here. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm great, and that all kind of balances so, out, doesn't it, to just okay? I'm state, yeah, I'm in a state of existing, uh, but tonight uh, I'm really struggling uh, from fangirling all over our guest, who Eli Bosnick, uh, who is, uh, you may know him from god-awful movies, Skating Atheist, Skeptocrat, or just, uh, who knows where else, who knows, just kind of everywhere, really. in your dreams, in your nightmares. He's, yeah, he's in both of mine, dreams and nightmares, <laughs> so it's cool. So we're going to talk to him uh, about a lot of stuff about uh, where he, how he got started uh, in, into atheism and atheism activism and uh, just his, his thoughts on uh, just a, a variety of different issues. Yes, so, we're very excited to have Eli on. So we will jump right into it this week. Uh, our God of the Week is going to be Bacchus, uh, by far my fav- favorite God. Well, I mean, of course, this week notwithstanding, but in general, he's always been one of my favorites. Uh, he is the Roman God of Agriculture and Wine, because why not? Why not? Uh, right? He was the child of Jupiter and a human named Semele, I hope I'm saying that right, who got tricked by another God, Juno, into seeing Jupiter in his divine form. And so as a result, she got burned up. And somehow Jupiter sewed the infant Bacchus into his thigh and gave birth to him. That's 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 how it works. That's how babies. Men, that's men, where babies come from. Men can do anything. Women can do. Hashtag boy power. I, um, I don't. I don't even know what to do with that one. But sure, why, yeah, why not? Well, he and then uh, story goes. Or the thing that actually really totally happened goes. Uh, he wandered the world for many years, going as far as India to teach people how to grow vines. So he uh, was all about that. Uh, but there's also the Bacchanalia, which are orgies in uh, honor of Dionysus, which that was the Greek version of Bacchus, if I'm not mistaken, about my things that totally, totally happened in Greek and Roman culture. Uh, these were introduced in Rome about 200 uh, BC, and uh, they actually got so out of hand. This happened, I think it was like uh, mid-March, uh, is when this was celebrated, uh, in, but they got so out of hand that they were forbidden uh, by the Roman Senate uh, by 186 BC. So just 14 years of that, and then they're like, "No, you can't uh, get drunk and fuck a lot." I guess I don't know. <laughs> that's illegal. No, don't. That's the. Don't that's have fun. the. That's see that that's that's the that's the real struggle right there. And that has stayed with us for all of these years. Just don't do those things. <laughs> Hey, uh, yeah, I don't know where to go from there. Me neither. Just to Eli, I guess. So, so, so thank you, thank you, Bacchus, for uh, for all that. For giving us some wine and stuff. co-host on two of the greatest podcasts out there right now, according to me and Dan and yes. anyone who's smart in the world right now, um, God Awful Movies and Skating Atheist. Um, I have no idea what made Eli agree to come on our show, but we're really fucking happy that he's here. So Eli, thank you for, yes, thank for you. gracing us with your presence. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's it's tons of fun to be on here. Awesome. Well, thank you. Don't so, say that yet. Don't say yeah. that yet. Yeah. I mean, look, it's... Just did a four-hour conversation with social justice. It's not worse than that. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. All right. Well, we'll come. Uh, we're glad to have you here with us, doing whatever this is gonna be. I mean, we kind of, we kind of wing it a little bit, and yeah, that's kind of the way to go. But actually, I like. I'd love to start with just you talking a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't really know you. I mean, um, we tonight we're gonna get into definitely some topics of activism, of atheism. I, I remember um, asking, you know people who are atheists or skeptics, how they be, how they kind of came into that way of thinking, like what their origin story was of sorts. And I was kind of wondering what your, 
it sounds kind of silly to say this, but like an atheist origin story. How how did you come to the realization that, you know, yeah, I have religion a, and God are bullshit? Yeah, I have a fairly uninspiring origin story. So I grew up in upstate New York, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm the child of two professors and people with doctorates who were super-duper liberal Jews. My father was a Jewish mystic and a Maimonic scholar. Okay. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Maimonides is a guy who 700 years ago told all the Jews, just took all the terrible parts of the Old Testament, and he was like, it's a metaphor. And we were like, what do you mean? Like, why? That's a horrible thing to say. Why is that? It's metaphor. What's it a metaphor for? I don't know. I just know it's a metaphor. Why would God say that? And you're like, great. So my father was a Maimonic scholar, and I grew up in a very liberal Jewish home. Uh, And I was a fairly, you know, religious woo-woo Jew, like not biblically literate. I never read the Bible. I didn't speak Hebrew. I never read the Old Testament. Um, But I wore a magic hat, and I didn't eat pork or shellfish. Um, and that made me feel good, and I thought that I had a larger connection to the universe, you know, because culture disseminates the ills of religion and, and, and brings us to a much different understanding than uh, the people who wrote the books and the people who mean what they say. So I was a fairly, what I would have thought of as a religious Jew up until college, and then, you know, I, I always hated Temple the way we all grew up hating church, you know, it's boring, it's me- it's mediocre, you know, unless your church is aimed at indoctrinating children, it's really hard to be a part of um, any of those systems, and I grew up in a Hasidic temple. Um, the, the Hasidic um, Chabad house up in Binghamton, New York is actually the largest in the world. Uh, and we were really, really close with the rabbi and his wife there. But again, that's the black hats and the curls and the, the giant beards. I mean, those are the <laughs> Jewiest of Jews, the people who all look like they're on their way to God's trial or something. Like They're like, oh, that's the guy who killed Jesus. I recognize him. Like, that's the kind of Jews I grew up around. Um, and so when I got to college, I, I obviously became less and less religious because as you grow up, you do. Um, but my real moment of atheism came um, something like probably nine years ago. I was at least in college. Um, and I was living with my girlfriend at the time. And I was up late at night. And this guy named Dan Meth or something like that made an animated version of Carl Sagan's Pale Blue Dot. And I recommend, Which is powerful as fuck. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. And I was watching it very casually because I liked this guy's videos. Uh, and the line, thousands of confident religions, really hit me. Um, sort of like a ton of bricks. And I realized that if all of these religions were confident, mine probably wasn't true. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fact that all of these religions were so sure of their truth claims and my tiny you know, position in the universe all became very clear to me. Uh, And at the same time, I was just making friends with um, uh, some new people who were pretty ardent atheists who had read Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins. And so those two elements combined turned me into the atheist that I am today. Uh, And I've always been fairly outspoken about whatever it is that I believe. Um, And so that sort of just led me to relatively active atheism. And, um, you know, working even working in New York City, which is a pretty liberal town full of atheists, um, me and Noah and Heath found each other at work. Um, I, because I was a comedian and they were atheists and Noah, of course, is sort of next level smart. And so is Heath. Like, it's it's funny, all the dick joke guys in the atheist, and I'm not saying this, this is going to come off like I'm bashing on the smart guys, quote unquote, but it's not what I mean. What I mean is all of the dick joke guys in atheist podcasting are super duper crazy fucking smart. And like, especially Tom and Cecil, like one of the really funny things is to watch Tom and Cecil out of quote unquote character and watch them talk about like philosophy and how much they love Grendel and they met in a philosophy group and they've read Kant and Heidegger and all that stuff. And then you listen to their show and they're like, I'm going to fuck you through the glory hole. And it's like, it's funny (laughs) that we've all sort of magnet, despite our various educations and knowledge, we've all um, gravitated towards dick jokes. And I I think that's sort of beautiful. But anyways, getting to know (laughs) Noah. Who who doesn't like a dick joke, right? Exactly. Right. It's it's a universal way to communicate. Dick jokes are the universal language. Exactly. So getting to know Noah and Heath uh, and how smart they were, and they were really a lot of my introduction into secular ideas and skepticism, especially. Uh, I also, I'm a magician. And at the same time as this was going on in my life, I also was introduced to Jamie Ian Swiss, who at the time was the producer of New York City's longest running magic show where I was working. So I got to see Jamie sort of active in the skeptic community when he was starting drinking skeptically and the New York skeptics in New York City and everything that he had to do there. And then I had Noah and Heath on the other side. And then they asked me to come on and do a couple of segments on their show, which I did. The first one I ever did, I ran for Pope. Uh, And then I started doing uh, Bible reviews with them and eventually movie reviews. 
and uh, then I lost my job. So I ran a, a relatively large company uh, that sold magic kits in and around the United States, um, Marvin's Magic, which today is the largest magic company in the world. And they treated me very well, but F.A.O. Schwartz and Times Square Toys R Us closed within a year each of each other, which was about $4 million worth of business, which I was overseeing. Uh, and they closed with about two months' notice. So I went from having this U.S. representative job at this really big company to no job at all. And I was literally like, talking to Noah and Heath because I did the movie reviews you know once a month or so and I was like yeah so I'm probably going to be an Uber driver like got to figure out a way to <laughs> stay alive and they were like why don't we try uh, god awful movies and see if people want it to happen and I, I was actually vehemently against it because I was so sure that like one person would contribute one dollar and then three people would just tweet like what's the matter loser trying to start your own show and then I would have to like hang myself with a t-shirt that I had made for the show or something but we got funded in less than 24 hours um, and we actually I actually wrote about this on Facebook the other day this past week we just hit our triple uh, the views of our debut episode. So the show has grown and grown thanks to the incredibly generous and funny guests who have come on it. And then just last month, uh, we hit a Patreon goal, and now I am a co-host on Scathing Atheist, uh, which a lot of people will probably know me from full-time. So I'm on... Well, congrat congratulations. Like, Thank it's, you. It's awesome to kind of yeah. see how, how that can evolve and just... I know for us seeing or listening to what you guys do is pretty inspiring. You know, like you obviously love what you guys, what you're doing. You have great chemistry and you're getting a message out there, you know, like skating atheist, especially and God awful movies is just hilarious as anything. Like I, God damn it. Noah is fucking smart. Like, yeah. And if I can give shit. any advice to young podcasters out there, it's have a boss who is 12 times smarter than you and a partner of his who's 26 times smarter than you <laughs> and then have them offer you all the things and do all the work and think you're funny. That's my goal. So if anyone, that's my self-help book, if anyone's looking to buy it, how to get it's, things it's handed to you. absolutely as helpful as most self-help books. So. <laughs> how to get things handed to you on a silver platter. The Eli Bosnick story. <laughs> yes. There we go. We had to have that in there sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... Uh, tell us about uh, what you think the importance of atheist activism uh, is to science and scientific appreciation. Well, so I'm going to make a rather bold claim. Uh, that yeah, I we're think... ready for this bold claim. Yes. All right. Here, here are my two bold claims. I think the m two most important things that you can do for science and especially science activism are, one, to acknowledge that you are an atheist, because I think that's a lot harder than people assume. And two, become an atheist activist, which is a lot easier than people assume it is. And I, I don't know. I've never had, I, I, like, I've had, like, the most, I, th I feel like the most normal possible upbringing I possibly could have. I've never felt like I've been uh, ostracized for my, for believing in, uh, I guess, believing in nothing or anything like that. So so it's hard for me to to, to see that because, and, and I hear it from, from people all the time, but it's hard for me to relate to that because I've never had a problem with it or or if somebody does have a problem with me it's, it's like well they're just being a dick about it and I think that's that's a, a lot of people's problem that they have with atheist activism is the fact that it so many often come across as being a dick or come across as aggressive like that so how how do you think we could do a better job maybe of being in you know promoting secularism promoting atheism but not coming across basically just not being a dick about not being it. A dick. Yeah. So, I mean, well, obviously I, you know, with the show that I come from and the way that I speak about theism, I'm definitely not advocating <laughs> not being a dick um, because there but are really... I mean, but anybody, anybody familiar with that show, though, knows, I mean, it's, it's a character because I've heard you guys talk you know, do real talk like right. outside of that. And so, so, I mean, it's obviously, it's a character. It's you're, you're, you know, you're playing a role at that point. It's right. Not... And there's, there's a time for dickishness and there's a time for non dickishness. You know, one of the things that we don't, we don't do contentious interviews on our show. You know, Noah doesn't mm -hmm. bring Christians on to debate them and we get offers all the time. We get emails. I mean, I, I get emails and Noah gets even more of people who are like, I'd like to come on the show and talk about my love of Jesus Christ. And we're like, you have not heard our show <laughs> this is a fubu show for us by us you know and so there's places for that the truth is that i think when it comes to atheist activism i mean i'm going to steal from noah here and i'm going to steal from david silverman um because they're smarter than me and they've, they've put these ideas much better especially in silverman's new book i cannot recommend it enough fighting god ignore the clickbaity title he didn't get to choose it it is a brilliant brilliant book and in it he suggests the number one thing you can do for atheist activism is to let the people in your life know that you're an atheist which for you and me, super easy. For some people, damaging yeah. and impossible. So, you know, that's easy for me to say. You know, when I came out as an atheist, my dad went, ah, 
And my mom goes, you know, crystals or whatever. You know, not a, <laughs> just completely uninterested. Sure, you're an atheist. What else are you? You know, that it could not have registered less as a bad thing for them. But, you know, being open about your atheism in a way that matters. And, and the best example of this is a hurricane lady or tornado lady a few last year. Right. Who, when she was being interviewed by Wolf Blitzer and he asked if she thanked God, she just said, actually, we're atheists, but we don't blame people who do. And that level of visibility is mm -hmm. so important because if your fr if your friend who hates atheists and thinks all atheists are Richard Dawkins or whoever, whatever straw man they have of atheism in their mind. Right. You know, if they know three and you and your other buddy and people that they love and know are one of them then it changes the way that they can accept those ideas and the way they can think about secularists as a whole. And the model that uh, Silverman talks about is gay rights. You know, the fact that people came out of the closet and all of a sudden people knew that their grocer was gay and their barber was gay and their best friend's cousin was gay. All of a sudden they realized that these people that were a part of their lives uh, were part of these communities. It stopped being easy to otherize them. And so when I said at the beginning, I think one of the important things to do is become an atheist activist and it's easier than you think. I think the biggest and easiest way to become an atheist activist is to to make sure that everybody in your life knows that you're an atheist or that you're a non-believer and some people prefer the term agnostic and I have my own issues with the word agnostic and yeah. no is much better at speaking about that than I am but uh, generally uh, that falls to the first point which is that Everyone I've ever met who's used the word agnostic means atheist. They just right. like agnostic because... Or, or they say agnostic atheist, which I don't know what the fuck that's supposed well, to be. That, that's, that's like, it's like throwing like, an extra word. Yeah, yeah. Agnostic, agnostic, agnostic is a cop-out just in and of itself. But then you, you add, well, but we're, I'm copping out, but I'm atheist. But it's, please, it's like saying, I'm atheist, but please don't hate me, is I feel like what they're trying to say. Yeah, I mean, so that, in, in that argument's defense, to give it its fair due, the sure. di and this doesn't hold water, so I'm about to propose something that actually doesn't stand very well, but I know that otherwise you'll have people who'll be like, that's not what agnostic atheist means! Um, apparently it'll be a Muppet who does it. Apparently Cookie Monster <laughs> oh, yeah. is going to write in and tell you about his agnostic atheism. Sounds good, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, so no, there's gnostic and agnostic, so to know and to not know, and then there's theism, which is to believe in God, and atheism, which is to not believe in God. So you can be a gnostic atheist who knows that there is no God and doesn't believe, or you can be an agnostic atheist, which is you don't know whether or not there is a God, uh, but you don't believe. So it's there. Right, yeah, I was speaking to agnostic. Right, yeah, two, two varieties of knowing. So that the agnostic is supposed to prove an openness to evidence in spite of the fact of not believing. The problem is that it doesn't actually bear out because you're agnostic. No one's Gnostic. There's no such thing as true Gnosticism, especially on an ontological level. Like, I'm agnostic about leprechauns. Like, I can't... I'm not a Gnostic A leprechaunist. So that, that's where it falls apart. And, and I know a lot of people use the term agnostic because it means that if the sky opened, they would believe in God. Or, but, if, but if the... Yeah, I would too, though. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right, I think... And, and anyone in our position would, like right? It would take, if, if presented like, with the evidence. Right. Actual evidence. Um, but... Right. That's not, I mean, I don't see anything like that happening right now, so I'm, I'm pretty content in my position. Well, I don't know if you know this, but in Spain, one time, everybody faced the wrong direction, so... Huh? So... That's the miracle of the sun. Any of you want to have a good time in religious crazy, go ahead and Google miracle of the sun. Do you guys know this story? <laughs> no, why oh, did you This is my favorite... This is my favorite miracle story. Because here's the thing. Miracle stories... It's, it's miracle story time with Eli. Yeah. Let's miracle stories usually require someone to just be wrong or sick. And that's really sad. And that's no fun to make fun of. <laughs> but the miracle of the sun was these people in... And I think it's Spain. I'm 12% sure. These okay. people in Spain, they're all waiting for the sun to rise. And they're praying. And they're praying. And the sun doesn't rise. It doesn't rise. And they look <laughs> and they realize the sun has risen. Where's sun rises in the east? Sets in the west? Yes. Right? The sun has risen in the west. And these oh, hundreds of people in this congregation all witnessed this miracle of the sun rising in the West. And it's this huge thing. And people still reference it today. These hundreds of people, all of whom are not mentally ill, saw the sun rise in the West. And they just faced the wrong direction. It's so clear. When any further examination of this, there's just one day they faced that rock and the next day they faced the other rock. And they just went, huh, look at that. The sun rose in the West. And no one turned around and went, guys. Guys, like, they weren't checking compasses, and it's just the most beautiful example, but you will hear Christians cite this all the time, and they sort of speed through it. They'll be like, oh, I mean, atheists deny, you know, the transubstantiation, the miracle of the sun, and they just try to skate, and you're like, oh, you mean when everyone faced the wrong way? 
Well, because all, I'm sorry, all it takes is like one or two people to be facing the wrong way and the whole group is going to do the same thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, well, and let's, not, let's not turn that into a miracle. Yeah, no, thank yeah you. and just reading about it, it even says like the Roman Catholic Church did accept it as an, a miracle in 1930 and even Pope Pius VII, there's, I, I don't like the X's and I's there, Pope Pius VII, claimed that he witnessed it in 1950 so awesome so awesome (laughs) that's that's the kind of stuff that just warms your heart right that it's just like full-grown adults just facing the same direction and you know there's one kid who pulled a compass out and was like hey dad and they was like don't like this is a miracle like we're jumping the religious shark right now and just we're we're in a miracle so let's let's enjoy the moment but that like that's ridiculous yeah it's crazy it's it's crazy um yet people you know are basing their life around the fact that, you know, maybe one day the sun rose in the wrong direction and and God, right? Just, that's it. And I guess what I'm making that I think is probably a bold claim in there, because I think that probably a lot of your listeners will either be atheist or be agnostic or they'll consider themselves a religious enough that I think if I probably had a two minute conversation with them, they would recognize that they're atheist by every definition of atheist except their own. I think the bold claim to make is that the most important thing you can do for science and science activism is to admit it. And and that is where I think I my opinion butts up against a lot of popular scientists, especially I don't know if you guys heard Neil deGrasse Tyson's recent interview on Sam Harris's podcast where he was very, very clear about not using the label atheist and not fighting with religious people. Yeah. and And I think he does that because he knows he just he, he he understands what people respond to and what they're listening to and, and no matter what he says he knows what they're what they're going to hear what they're going to take away from that and I think he's I mean it would be great for him just to say, I mean, everybody fucking knows he's an atheist right. but it would be great for him just to say that but also he would alienate just just by pure like purely using that word he would alienate so many people and I think right and, and I and I and I don't fault him. For that because well see I actually do because I disagree that he would alienate people I I think that rather than alienating people what he would do is he would do what he claims to do which is he would educate people he would educate people and he would normalize a viewpoint because every time we shy away from those terms every time we shy away from in fear I, yeah I, I yeah but I'm thinking like even the the I don't know if it, he did this last year I think he did it uh two years ago like around Christmas like said had the whole like thing about like on this day you know hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago no hundreds of years ago somebody uh you know I'm, I'm misquoting it terribly i'm gonna have to double over this or something but basically like described what's what a christian would say as jesus but then ends up being talking about sir isaac newton's birthday being on on yeah Christmas and he Day. does he does a ton of that tongue-in-cheek stuff which again is is cutesy bootsy but i think one of the things that he fails to recognize when he does that kind of thing and when he very vocally refuses to use the terms atheist or refuses to talk about atheism or they're not being a god is that he leaves the door open for a lot of christian apologetic and that's something that i am experiencing right now i'm reading this book veritas um, which is about the Christian Forum at Harvard, and one of the main points that this woman, Kelly Kulberg, makes in the book is, oh, you know, scientists are all agnostic. Scientists agree that cosmology matches up with the universe, and scientists agree that the speed of light is this, and this can be found in the Bible. And, you know, all of that gets allowed every time you don't take a firm line in the sand and, and propose, and I'm again, steal from better thinkers than myself, that God is a failed hypothesis. You know, hypotheses, hypotheses aren't proven, but they certainly fail. Right? They're certainly disproven, and God is, by every definition, logical, scientific, ontological, philosophical, a disproven hypothesis. And whenever we refuse to admit that, we do a tremendous amount of damage to any issue we might care about, be it gay marriage or, you know, fucking climate change or trans issues. It would, pick your issue. You know, a, anything that you think is wrong with the world can be not completely, but at least partially helped by our societal admission that there is no wizard in the sky watching over us. <laughs> but that'd be fucking awesome if there was. Like, holy shit. Oh, that'd be, oh, are you kidding? But I'd want it to be like a Gandalf figure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> you, want the you want, god. You want a real fucking wizard. Like, yeah, I don't want, want yeah. this god is not great. The one that people believe in from the book is, he's a dick. We don't he's want him. He's a dick. He is the worst. Yeah. And the fact that people, you know, yeah, believe in that is just bullshit, so... I mean, who who wants to believe in an asshole like that? Lots of people. Lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of, of fucking people. Lot of fucking but again, people. like, 
right. Silverman brings up this point, which is that most people don't believe in that asshole God. Most people believe that, like, you die and then your brain, whatever, the rider behind your eyes floats out of the back of your head and grandma's there. And even though you couldn't spend two minutes talking to grandma in life, you're going to spend the rest of forever there with her and be happy. I hate talking to my grandma. I love my grandma. I hate talking. I've got you, three you minutes. Don't. You don't want to spend eternity with grandma? No. And in fact, my eternity, also my paradise, totally pornographic. Like my par- <laughs> my paradise has no harps unless they're being forced inside me by Asa Akira. There's nothing <laughs> harp related in my heaven. And, and that's what I talk about when I, I say admitting you're an atheist is that we just don't put thought into these kind of things, you know, and that's fine. Like society demands we don't put thought into these kind of things, but it is actually a free, it's, it's a bummer at first. And this is something that atheists don't like to admit is like not seeing grandma again and not seeing our loved ones again is an irreconcilable difference and doesn't make, it doesn't balance out with the fact that I have more sex and make more money as an atheist, but it's also <laughs> something you need to accept. You know, it would be great if Santa brought us all presents, but the fact that something's comforting or feels good is not a reason to continue believing it. And in fact, and this is something that <laughs> Sam has talked ta- about. Are we talking about theism or are we talking about like homeopathy right now? Oh, any of them. Any, <laughs> any of the bullshits. But that, that's what it is. And it's all the same. And that's why like there's bullshit in science. There's bullshit in religion. And it's like you can't believe in any of it. Right. And it, it's all it's all magic and it's all fake and it's it can be comforting, but at the same time, it's so fucking damaging. And and I absolutely agree with you that by not call, you're you're doing a public disservice by not calling it out, and and by not highlighting that and by not by not you know making a statement that this is bullshit or this is you know this is a flawed argument here and things like and, that. And we should point out too, to be fair, like I'm not talking about people who are biblically literal Christians. You know, I'm talking about your average Joe who thinks everyone who's good goes to heaven and maybe there's not a hell and maybe karma and maybe Buddha and I smoked pot once in college and I thought that I was part of the universe and wasn't that great. You know, those people who do absolutely no harm, who make up the majority, I believe the majority of the religious need to understand that they are supporting the extremists. You know, the Catholics thrive off the fact that they've got little old ladies putting money in the collection plate every week and they use that money to rape and torture kids. They just do. You know, and it doesn't matter that those little old ladies are sweet, and it doesn't matter that 90% of the nuns in Brazil are, you know, digging trenches with their arthritic hands for orphans and trying to help people, or this, that, or the other. The truth is that the people at the top of that chain, the people who take grandma's money, they're using it to rape kids. They're using it to torture kids, and the same goes for Islam, and, I mean, obviously the events of this past week have made that just an open forum, but the same goes for any religion. You know, the Orthodox, switching over to the Orthodox Jews. Islam's founded on a pedophile rapist right so, exactly and, the, mean, and that the the moderate you know and here's the thing i'm a lefty left leftist as as my twitter mentions say very clearly i'm a regressive leftist f sjw and so i really do try to have a subtle understanding when it comes to those kind of things but the truth is that the true regressive regressive leftist ideas about islam that it's that it's blameless in its extremist is just untrue and as someone who's reading the fucking Quran right now they're right just like when I read the Bible and I talked to the Westboro Baptist Church all they're doing is being honest you know you don't get to change the the true word of God that fundamentalist means adhering to the word of God if I if someone asks me how I want the podcast run I expect it to be done to the letter. And if someone asks God how he wants the world run, he wants some fucking witches burned. He wants non-virgins <laughs> stoned to death on their doorstep. Bats or birds. I mean, this is all in the fucking book. And, and one of the things that's hardest, it was hardest for me, at least I can say, as a religious moderate when I was one, was to recognize the irreconcilable harm that I was doing by lending my voice, my name, and my identity to a system that's actively being used to create harm and real damage. So it's like you're you're just letting it happen by right. not standing up and doing anything else, right? Yeah. And so, you know, going back to talking about how we should be able to essentially come out as atheists. Yeah. Right? I mean, and, and actually, I think in our um, in our interview with Stuart, I think it, it might have been before we were recording or maybe it was while we were recording, he said something about going to the reason rally and he's like, oh, well, I've outed myself as an atheist. It's like, well, we all, like, we all need to do that. Yeah, and I we think. we it's, it's um, and, the, I, and I agree with you. Um, and even going back to like Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's a popularizer of science. Why not have someone who's that approachable be a popularizer of you know? I guess, I mean, atheism or lack of belief or something. But we we do need those voices. I think. I think. I think with, in his case, I think he's more he, just just with his the amounts of followers that he has. He's trying to nudge 
that direction and doesn't want to turn people off. So there's part of me, like, I absolutely agree that he needs to, like, take an actual stance on it. Uh, but at the same time, like, he's still, he's nudging that direction, trying to do gradual change. And I don't know. Well, I, his I'm thing not... is he's an educator. And, he, you know, he yeah. sort of says, and this is what he said on the podcast, the Sam Harris podcast. He said, you know, well, I, you know, does being an atheist mean I can't appreciate the music of Bach? Does it mean I can't appreciate Mozart or the poems of Rumi? And it's like, no, dude, you can appreciate those for realsies. You know, you don't have to give credit to a sky pedophile who wrote a horse for Rumi's poetry. You can just <laughs> appreciate the poetry that a man wrote and was inspired by the you know, the human experience. And the problem is that you can't be an educator and dodge really important questions mm -hmm. because if the absolute best, at some point, religion limits curiosity. And if that's, mm -hmm. and, and he, as an educator, he needs to acknowledge that and he doesn't, you know. It's, it's where he w sort of is willing to give into that Noma thing. And this is something that um, Noah's talked about incredibly well, non-overlapping magisteria, which is the idea that, at, you know, oh, you can have this and it won't ever really affect your scientific beliefs but the truth is at some point religion has to butt up against the truth it just has to no matter how far back you go you will eventually get you know it's sort of a first causer of ignorance at a certain point you will have to stop asking questions for your god to exist uh we have we have a, a, a i guess fairly large group uh, and we asked them uh, for some questions and well first off they were very excited to have you on here in the first place uh, but we had a, a few members that had questions and so kind of on that note uh, uh, one of the questions from Peggy uh, was uh, about sexism and misogyny in atheist circles and how do we how do we kind of without being too infighting and in, in things like how do you address that because there's absolutely a continuum of atheists who are you know and I, I think you know are like me and Natalie, we're very consistent with your thoughts on, on almost maybe I dare I say all issues along those lines. But then we have, uh, you know, the men's rights activists and, and things like that, or, or even like the situation with Dawkins and, and the whole like nexus thing that he ran into earlier this year. Uh, like, how do we, how do, how do you address that? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, so obviously for anyone who's heard me on any show, probably except this one, I'm sort of the SJW I've become a little bit of the SJW voice of atheism in a lot of ways. And, and that's certainly not true. There are some really great speakers out there like Callie Wright and Steve Shives. And, uh, but I've certainly joined their ranks as someone who's had to represent those ideas. And one of the things that I've sort of understood has become one of the more important things for my role personally is to ally myself as strongly as possible when I'm not in my comedic sphere. And I mean, anyone who listens to my show knows that the quote unquote character, and I'm not character, it's not like I'm not the same person, but the jokes we make, the, the things that we say on our comedy shows are very, very misogynistic and racist and transphobic, and they do they just everything. But, it, but it's, but, but it's, I thought the same, like the very first episode of God Awful Movies I listened to, like I told my friend Bobby, who turned me on to it, I was like, they are just like tearing this woman apart, and I feel awful for her, but then it's like, I kept listening, and it's like, oh, they do that shit to everybody. Yeah, we like, do it to, we're all opportunity offenders, <laughs> you know, and the other thing is like, we pick our targets, quote unquote, very carefully. You know, one of the things mm -hmm. that I think is really interesting is, in spite of the fact that I licked Ray Comfort, and I'm very proud of that, <laughs> I've never, something I was going to bring up later. Right, yeah. I never tweeted mean shit at him, right? I don't I don't get off on tweeting mean shit at Ken Ham. I don't tweet mean shit at people I disagree with. Unless I want to have a conversation with you, you're completely ignored. You know, and the truth is that when I do get a chance to speak seriously like this, one of the things that I try to make clear is that I am an ally to people of color. I am, I want to be an ally to the LGBTQ community and women. And by setting that example and drawing those lines and being clear that the jokes I make are the jokes I make as an ally, and more importantly, being willing to hear the feedback from our audience. And, you know, we get jokes, we get people all the time who say hey i love it when you make jokes about puppy rape and this that and the other but i hated your joke about x it's probably one of the biggest yeah. pieces of feedback we get and my feedback to that is always the same it is i'm so sorry if you felt attacked by that it wasn't meant at you we go after everybody i hope you know you're loved and taken care of i hope you still like the show and without exception they go oh, i love the show no no it's fine i just wanted you to know because my dad is a blah, 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 or my mom is a blah, my sister has this or that and they just want to know that they're taken care of and my hope is that as more and more people listen to the show and learn about me they go yes i can be funny and i can be raucous and there's no limits on the humor you can work blue and racist you can get that fucking laugh but at the end of the day someone can turn off that iphone and go that's someone who's on my side that's someone who wants me part of the community. That's someone, and you know, I've said 10 times 
times worse shit about women and feminists than Richard Dawkins ever will. The difference is that every woman who listens to my show who does the faintest bit of research on me or feminist who does the faintest bit of research on me knows that I'm an ally, knows that I'm See, there for them. And that's why, I mean, like, I, I reached out and asked you to come on this show. Like, I listen to and love your shows, and I, but then I know what goes beyond that, right? So I'm, you know, not lining up for other certain members of, you know, community to come on our show. <laughs> but like, right. and when but, it, to, but to know that somebody, you know, has that, has that part of themselves, which is the true part, you know, that, that cares and is an ally to. And everyone, when it comes, really, and it, right? Yeah, and to answer Peggy's question, because I know that was really more about me, and she's probably wondering about sort of her and the community. I mean, Peggy, the truth of the matter is we're winning so fucking hard right now. Look at Reason Rally. I mean, they stayed at home in their basements and they whined. But the truth of the matter is when you have David fucking Silverman posting on his Facebook, hey, if you don't like a non-harassment policy, you can go ahead and unfriend me. The movement's moving on. You know, and the trolls can sit at home and override as many comment threads with as many different <laughs> accounts as they want. But it's the dying of the light. It's the fucking wig party all over again. And they know it. They fucking know it. And the truth of the matter is that every day it gets a little bit better and the smart people win. And in 30 years, they're all going to they're all going to be pretending they were on side. They're all going to act like they were on our side. And you're going to go, no, remember that YouTube video you made? Here, I can show you the link. And that's the difference is that there's anti-segregation people walking around right now being like, oh, no, I loved black people because they didn't make YouTube channels called fuckyoublackpeople.com or whatever it is. And that's something Thunderfoot's not going to get to do in 20 years. So the truth is, in answer to you, you know, be the best ally you can be let yourself be made uncomfortable it's some i'm so i'm super ignorant and i'm from upstate new york and like i ally badly all the time and have people come to me and be like hey man you shouldn't say that and like one of the things one of the reasons why i keep my facebook public and open is people can go three years ago and watch me make anti-breastfeeding statuses like what but it's important to see baby eli be wrong about that it's important <laughs> to see baby eli be like how come you get to take your tits out in public but i can't take my balls out and you're like and do i want to delete that very badly yes i do i want to i want to delete all the stupid shit i've ever said but i think it's important to see me be wrong and know today that people are capable of change and better ideas and part of skepticism is being open to those better ideas yeah so okay so we we had another question um from the science enthusiast group um and this is from Dave. And he, so he gives kind of this hypothetical situation. He says, so say everyone woke up tomorrow with no recollection of any religion. That's the only thing that is forgotten from like the collective mind. Um, how long do you think it would take before someone invent, like invented religion? Or would it even be invented or thought up with everything that we know now? I mean, I think religion is a is a natural, you know, we, we mm -hmm. our natural intuition is when a book falls in our apartment, it's a ghost. I'm a skeptic. I'm a lifelong skeptic. I've been, you know, raised in very non-superstitious environments. But if it's late and my fiance's not home and there's a creek in my apartment, I'm like, that is a fucking ghost. I'm about to get grudged. How do I want my face to look? The little girl from the ring's going to crawl out of my TV and get me. We just, superstition's a natural result. You know, we evolved to look in the grass and see stuff. Right. It's why we were like, that's a fucking leopard. And half the time we were like, that's a leopard. It wasn't. It was a rock. But part well, and of because if because if you err on the other way and it and you don't see the leopard that's there, you're you get eaten by a leopard. You're dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is why, you know, to answer the hypothetical, I think religion's a totally natural thing. And I think that atheists often do the religious a disservice by pretending that it's because they're stupid, by pretending that religion relies on ignorance or a lack of education or any of those sort of things. And it doesn't. It's a natural thing that one overcomes through the right conditioning. You know, and Adam for Adam, I am a I, if I'm switched with a jihadist, I am a jihadist. There's nothing magical. There's no bootstrapping when it comes to skepticism. I didn't pull myself out of atheism. I got lucky. I got out of religion. I got very, very lucky. And we can help others and we can facilitate others. I think the better answer to the question is now that we live in a world that has seen religion, and we all get the chance to wake up tomorrow and tell our friends and neighbors, oh, you know, I'm actually an atheist. What, what potential does the world that knows about religion and religion's existence have there? Because th that's the world that we live in and that's the world we have a chance to create. Yeah. No, I, I found that an interesting question just yeah. to kind of think like what, what would happen. But no, I think that it's, it's something even just kind of as humans, like the tendency to want to be part of something sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, it, but I, it wonder, is, I mean, it is absolutely for I know for at least at least for for my my parents and especially I know like my grandma like way back when uh, 
it, it was that was that was the only social outlet that I know. I I mean, outside when it, my grandma eventually moved into like a retirement community, but like before that, that's that's really the only social outlet that they that she had. So, I mean, I guess we just need to step up our bingo club outreach. <laughs> yeah, atheist step bingo. up. That's right. But, I mean, <laughs> atheist community is a huge thing. It's really really hard to find atheist community. I mean, it's, that's something that as a public vocal atheist on a relatively big show. I mean, all my friends are atheists, and I know that, but like. They weren't friends because they were atheists first. They were my friends, and we all happen to be atheists because I live in New York, and the people that I hang out with just happen to be atheists. But, like, atheist community is important. You know, those it's, it's an early point now. And, you know, we don't have... One of the things that's hard about atheism is we don't have the gay bar. You know, there's not an atheist yeah. bar where you can go and be like, <laughs> oh, my God. And, you know, it's silly for me to say that who lives in New York because every bar is an atheist bar in New York. But, you know, I have listeners who write me and say, if I tell my mom who I am, I'll be disfellowshipped and no one in my family will ever speak to me again. And finding community in podcasts is something I've learned that a lot of people are able to do. You know, one of the reasons why podcasts are so popular among the secular community is that they're in your earbuds. And whatever you're listening to is yours to hear and part of that private community. And, and we've heard from hundreds, if not thousands of people at this point, similar stories. And the truth is, when we, for whom it is easy, come out, it makes, it makes the day in which the people for whom it is hard can come out all the closer. I think I switched tenses there, but it makes it easier for those people to come out. So I guess then like what, what my question is, okay, so the three of us talking, like we're, I mean, I don't know how old you are, Eli, but you know, I'm, I'm 32, Dan's around the same, I think. Um, and so I'm we're 28. kind of, a, you know, okay. So you're, you're the baby here. I'm um, young. But so, so what do we do though, as fairly young atheists who want to, I don't know, make this, make it comfortable, make it okay, make it, you know, a good thing to kind of come out in this world and, and feel like we're part of a community too. Um, I guess that's, is that activism? Is that a social piece? Like what, what's your advice to it's, it's, people? It's a little our, bit of everything. Here? You know, the easy step yeah. is just acknowledging and knowing that you're an atheist and living, living a devout atheist lifestyle, if you will, you know, just, you know, not letting yourself and letting your family be affected by mythos that are unhealthy. Um, you know, le letting a healthy vein of skepticism run into your relationships and your familial relationships and no that doesn't mean fighting with grandma on facebook when she's like what a beautiful day the lord has made but it can mean right. when you meet people and they say what are you doing for easter you say oh we're atheists you know and if you're in a position that it's comfortable to say that that's one thing i mean not to pat ourselves on the back too much but you guys do a science promotion podcast and i do an atheist podcast you mean yeah we're do we're we're definitely doing it, but for the common we're everyday doing something, right? yeah, we're doing yeah. something. We're reaching out, but for the common yeah. everyday person for whom it's a little bit harder, you know, the people. The truth is that the secular community, closet or not, they tend to reach out to each other. There tend to be moments in conversation, and we've all had it. That moment in conversation where someone goes, ah, you know, I don't really go to church. And okay, you, maybe you can't tell everyone at work you're an atheist, but the guy who says he doesn't really go to church, you can say, yeah, man, I don't go to church either. You know. And that one guy, maybe he gets the courage to be a little bit more vocal. And then the, the guy on the loading dock who didn't even mention it gets a little bit uh, to be the courage to be more vocal. Or maybe everyone's a Christian and you just ask them if bats are birds and you yeah. plant a seed of <laughs> doubt, right? I mean, that's, you know, look, I talk to evangelical Christians all the time. I, I, I do, you know, street epistemology and stuff like that. I've stood out on the streets of New York with a sign that says, believe in God, I can fix that. You know, I, I'm, I'm a very aggressive interlocutor in that way. And I've never had a on the moment drop to my knees, hallelujah, there's no such thing as God. But I have had moments where people go, yeah, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Like I can think of listening to some of the segments you guys had and, uh, I don't know if it was two episodes ago. Oh, yeah, where we did Reason Rally with the Christian protesters. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> and just like, what, what what do you think the smallest seed is? And they're like, well, I, I don't know. I guess I'll have to look it up. And it's like, well, no, I'm telling you right no, now, it's not. Not a mustard seed, bro. It's not a mustard they're seed. giant. Google mustard. They're giant. They're like coconuts. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> um, no, Eli, is there stuff, that, is there anything that you, like, just having sort of this free platform to speak on, is there anything that's, that you're passionate about that you want to, you know, any topic you want to cover? Because really, like, that's, Part of this is just giving you a, you know, just outside of your own podcasting worlds, um, a chance, you know, because I mean, I, I know and I think you've hit on a lot of it, like being so passionate about activism and social justice and all of that. Um, but, you know, just absolutely want to make sure that you. I, mean, I don't know, just have, with a different, maybe slightly different audience, have a chance to. I mean, I've never talked about this before, but something that's incredibly important to me personally is mentorship. 
Um, okay, you know, let's, let's talk about it. What's, yeah. what's interesting and what a lot of people sort of find out, people hear me on my show and they don't know I have this whole other life, is that I, I run New York City's largest magic show and I, I see the largest group of magicians. I oversee the largest group of magicians on the East Coast um, and one of the largest group of magicians in North America. Um, we have almost 75 members and we have our own show. We have our weekly meetups and we talk about magic. And, we, and one of the things that's been really important in my life over the last seven to ten years, even more... Even longer than, not more probably, but even longer than I've been doing podcasting stuff is the individual mentorships in my life. You know, I've written three one-man shows for the guys in my group. I've produced 12 one-man shows for the guys in my group. You know, not 12 individual shows, but all together we've put on 12 shows. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got an upcoming charity show. We do a ton of work at charity, and I as a independent performer actually work with, you know, Fortune 500 companies and some of the largest charities in the world. And something that I don't think happens enough in secular activism and scientific activism and skepticism that really needs to is mentorship. You know, we're we're a community that gathers around ideology, but there's very, very little mentorship in the way that there are in pretty much any other profession. And, you know, one of the things that I'm that you see in Noah, not necessarily in me, but that I've seen in Noah is Noah gets emails all the time. Hey, I'm starting a podcast. Can you help me out? Can you make a recommendation of this? Can you do that? And he really does. I mean, I've never seen anyone who puts themselves out there the way that Noah does. And so I guess something I've just never talked about it before because it's part of my personal life and I don't talk about it on the podcast. I'm also a little like oddly ashamed of it because it's this very personal thing to me that like I don't talk about it's not fitting for my show to be like yeah right. no I'm so proud of one of my guys he put on his one man show this year because then I'm going to be like and then I would fuck her in the ass because it's like oh no <laughs> those two characters don't talk on the same show so like you know I think mentorship's really important and you know it's something that I think we're all capable of of extending the hand down and you know understanding that someone who wants to do what we do and helping them and aiding them and cheering for them and working with them. And, you know, it's if it, to whatever extent I've earned any quote unquote cred in the podcasting community. And God knows I don't deserve it. You know, I've had everything handed to me on a silver platter, but anything I can do for the community to help people feel more welcome, you know, it goes back to feeling more welcome, but anything I can do to give down and help people come up uh, again, if I am at all up and I, I'm not sure that I am, but if, if I am at all up, my my immediate thought is to to reach downwards and pull people with me. You know, the rising tides raise all ships. You know, I I noticed that there was another question in our in the group that kind of brought up the ideas of you know if you're an atheist, like where do you get your morality from, and and are you you know pretty much essentially are you a good person, right? Everything that you're talking about and everything that I think that all of us try to do in our lives, like I mean, we want to be good human beings, right? Yeah. And good citizens and just good people. And the, um, and the great thing about, and, you know, right? and, yeah. being an atheist is you don't have to get your morality from anywhere. And that, that's a it's interesting. That's that's an easy question, but also a trick one, because we get yeah. to negotiate morality. Right. One of the beautiful things about living in a secular world is that what was wrong 50 years ago is right today. You know, the gay marriage, which 70 years ago was out of the question, is right today. We all get it. And that's because our moral attitudes evolve as a society and as a culture. So, I, you know, I don't have a morality that's set in stone. And that's wonderful because it means that what I'm wrong about now, and I'm sure I am, like I'm sure there's something in my head right now that's just totally embarrassing and bigoted and terrible 50 years from now. And, and the wonderful thing about being secular is that 50 years from now, because my beliefs aren't set in stone, because there's no book that I get my morality from, I'll be able to go, oh yeah, I was wrong. And you know, it's why it's so hard for me as a secular person to see a lot of bigotry in the community because we're supposed to be the ones who are immune to that, right? We're the ones with the changing morality. But the answer where I get my morality from is, is actually a lot more interesting than self-awareness or trying to be a good person. It's, it's that I don't. It's that I, I'm part of this collective enlightenment that makes each and every day a new decision as to how to create maximum flourishing. And you know, I, I recommend for the person who asked that question, check out Sam Harris's The Moral Landscape because he, again, way, way smarter than I am uh, about that issue. And like, check that out because it's it, once you get past that initial like fuck where how do I know not to rape people like because that's that's a real that's a moment right you go like okay but I need, <laughs> right, yeah. right you know anyone who's babysat knows that you can't say to a toddler like okay I, I want you to trust yourself not to you know put that penny in the light socket because you will be barbecuing two-year-old within 30 seconds of that moment but once you get past that as an adult it's immensely freeing to go okay well what do I think what 
do the best and brightest people of my culture think about this? What does maximize flourishing? And those answers, especially for me, as someone who grew up in upstate New York, you know, calling people fags and using the N-word when I was mad, you know, was transformative. And, and, I can, and I'm lucky to have found that. And I don't know that I would have had I been trapped in a way of thinking that set my morality in stone. No, I, I think the ability to to change beliefs and change even just, you know, what we're doing in life. I mean, that's that's so important. And I can't even imagine living my life based on a book. Well, and that's I mean, that's right? central, I think, to the underlying idea of atheism or agnosticism or whatever you, you want to call it is is that like you can change what you think you could. You're not just married to this one idea. You can change what you think and. And where you, you know, what is like, like just like you said, what is what is morality, and what is what is right, what is wrong, based on based on what's going on in the world, right? Oh. All right. Um, I, I mean, I think we've we've hit all our stuff. Thank you for talking about that, though, the mentorship thing. I mean, I think even just I don't know, kind of exposing the human side of you know, I think people sometimes see atheism as this cold. I mean, just a misinterpreted word i think sure um, but it's and, but and it's think, easy to see because of all that yeah. we sacrifice as a movement you know it's it's hard to hear you die and then you're dead and then yeah. think of an empathetic loving person you know it's the two don't match up you know you mark maron has that great line he says being an atheist is like jumping out of the bushes next to a homeless guy who looks up and he says maybe today's going to be okay and you jump out and you go no it's not and he goes yeah you're probably right and he runs away crying and he's like yeah i'm gonna go hang out with my shitty friends and like that's that's a part of our identity and owning that and being aware that you got to be a little bit of a downer to be an atheist, I think is important and, and doesn't mean that we can't be good people and doesn't mean that we can't have hope and love and flourishing. Yeah. Well, I had a, I had a conversation with my own dad my, and my parents are both, they, they, they would say they're Catholic. I, I can't, couldn't tell you the last time they went to church. It would be a matter of years, but had a conversation with my own dad a few weeks ago. It was actually the, the day of reason rally because mm-hmm. I was talking to, <laughs> talking to Natalie and, <laughs> and a few others about it. Um, and he just he just could not get beyond the idea that when you die that's it and he said well what happens when you die and it's well what happened before you're born like what what doesn't like and it's it's this whole i think part of it is just a desire to be significant and to matter when it's when it's like you're you're one of you know seven billion people on this earth what you have to offer probably isn't significant but you could still live your life not being a dick and 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 do good it's just, I mean, not everybody can be, you know, famous and not everybody is, is, is going to be remembered forever. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you what my great grandpa's name is. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things that doesn't make him less important or doesn't make him, and and it doesn't, doesn't make him a bad person or anything like that. I mean, that's just a, that's just a fact. And, And that's, that's a very human way of looking at things. But the truth is that, you know, that like, I'm a speck in the universe thing. That's a viewpoint that totally doesn't need to matter. You know, I, I make people happy and I make people laugh right. and I make people smile and I'm good to the people around me and I loan my buddies money when they're short and they stay on my couch when they break up with their girlfriends and that's what matters. You know, it doesn't matter that no one's ever going to bronze me. What matters is what I do in this moment because once my conscious experience ends, it didn't matter even if I was. If they, if the moment I die, everyone starts a religion that's dedicated entirely to me and they just carve my fat face in their chest, it makes no <laughs> difference than who I am, which is a funny guy guy on internet radio who died of a heart attack yelling at someone about social justice <laughs> and that's fine too i also that's, that's the eli bosnick the story. eli bosnick story full wrap <laughs> full circle <laughs> that's i have to say that's one of my favorite like one of my favorite gags you guys do oh it's a ton of fun oh my god it's every every single time and it's definitely permeated uh, our own conversations here <laughs> i'm just so happy yeah. that heath's on a beach has caught on because people tweeted at him now and he's like what does that mean and i'm like you know what it means and he's like i'm just what is i'm happy like i don't i don't but if you get it if you look at a picture you're like yeah that guy's on a beach that guy's on a beach i get it he's on a beach so uh, and then outside of your Twitter and then Gam and Scathing Atheists, was there anything else you want to? Uh, people to, can check out the Skeptocrat. Uh, that show is still going on. Uh, we're going to cover the election when that comes up. Uh, I, if you hated the Republican and Democratic debates as much as I did, uh, one of my favorite episodes we've ever done is the first Republican debate. 
Uh, we did a breakdown of the first Republican debate, and that's on the Skeptocrat feed, which can be found on iTunes and wherever else podcasts live. But the first Republican debate, if you need some humor shown into that shit show, I mean, my Ben Carson impersonation was born there, so I'm a little <laughs> affectionate, I'm a little fond of it. Um, it's pretty fantastic. So again, if, if you want to check out the Skeptocrat, you can do that as well. I occasionally appear on other people's shows and give this show a five-star iTunes review so more people can find out about it. Thank you, yeah. Eli. Yeah, look at that. See? Look at that. <laughs> you just did my job for me, so. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. You're, you're welcome to do that anytime. Patreon.com forward slash science show. Science show. <laughs> science. We, we're we're, we're going to get on that shit. We want to we wanna do you it. You have Patreon? Eventually. We're, we're going to. We're so going easy. To. Set it up. Make it yeah, happen. Yeah, I know. We're, we're going to. By the time this um, episode airs, it'll be up, and you guys are going to be the first donors, and you're going to say, and you're going to donate in my name. You're going to donate Eli Bosman. That's how they're going to know that I inspired your Patreon pledges. Well, you honestly, you have, <laughs> you have, you have, you have, you have inspired us in what we do. So. Like, oh, you're turning me down. I've had so many women tell me that they have a boyfriend in this tone of voice. <laughs> well, oh, Eli, you are and, such and a good friend. I don't want to ruin it. You're su you're such a good friend, Eli. Thank you for thank you for being a friend to the show. <laughs> I'm breaking up with you now. Oh. I, we've, we've used you for the past hour, Get and it? um, it's been good. Like, I it has not been the worst thing I've ever done on a Monday. But you've got to focus so. on work right now, and I mean, I, I like yeah. I, ha I have other I have other stuff in my life, but um, it, I mean, it's been okay, right? Has it been okay for you? Yeah, no, it's All been right? really good. It's been really great. Thank you. I really love good? you. Right, Is this cool, the time where cool, I say cool, I love yeah, you? Yeah, you, I, I, I love you too, but it's not the right time. Great. It's oh, not. see, I usually get I love spending time with you. Okay. I, I mean, I do. It's not, it's, not, it's not you, Eli. It really isn't. It's just, it's where I am in my life right oh, now. Oh, I had this anxiety dream the other night yeah. where I, I right? had got you're broken the, up with live in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's happening. Oh. This is the dream. It's become reality. And I brought you here just to break up with you. Okay, that's, so. that's fair. Yeah, it's, it's okay, right? My favorite Facebook page is Dog Spot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, shit. Why? Why we love the internet? The Eli Bosnick story. Right. We need to talk about dog spotting. Okay. All right. yeah. uh, oh, okay. So why I love the internet is a Facebook yeah. page called Dog Spotting, and it's so it's this bizarre thing my fiance introduced me to, which is basically people who take pictures of dogs out and about. You can't take pictures of them, and they're very strict about this. If you try and submit a picture of a dog that's like at a dog park or at a grooming place, they will cut it they will shut it down they'll take it down and they'll send you a like, message nope. being like this is not dog spotting this is a dog at a dog park they're very serious about it but the captions are amazing the captions are like if like a dog's barking at another dog it'll be like i bork at you you done me a frighten and it's just whenever i'm in a bad mood and i've just got 12 people tweeting at me about what an asshole i am i just get on dog spotting and i just i just listen to dogs bork because they done me a frighten so, so dog spotting for you is what for most people like just general cat memes are on the internet. Well, kind of. Here's the thing: I can't get into cat memes, and okay. I'll explain why. Uh, is it because know. you also have a pug? Because I, I have a pug. I have a pug okay. named Madge, and she's the okay. best. And okay. pugs are the best. But pug, pugs are the best. pugs are the fucking best. They're the best. And there's no. Here's the thing: if you're a cat person, I get it. Just know that you have furniture. You don't have a pet. You have moving furniture. You have a Roomba. And you don't have a pet because it doesn't like you. If you die, it eats you. If I hold still for too long, my pug has a legit anxiety attack and goes and gets an inhaler and like has to write in her. Because, well, because, because A, it can't breathe normally. Yeah, because we bred but... its face off. Literally. <laughs> we literally bred its face off. This is a science appreciation show. Can you appreciate the fact that we bred the face off an animal? I think it's fucking awesome. It's and amazing. I have one of those animals and he's not here right now, but he is up somewhere snorting in this house. Yeah, she's in the other room. And I she's think that's yeah. miserable. I think it's miserable but what's oh but they're so fucking cute they're so yeah. cute and they're so happy they're and that's so the thing they're so chill it looks like it's ran into a wall but they're so happy they're so they're happy so they happy. love their lives and they're so excited for dinner they're so yeah. excited for everything for everything but everything. especially dinner yeah i say i say are you ready and my dog loses her goddamn mind. i've never been happy i'm getting married in less in a month and a half and i am less excited for my wedding than my dog is every day for breakfast and dinner every day my dog's just like fuck and he eats the same she eats the same thing every day every day never complains the same brown pellets i throw them in the bowl and she's like yeah brown pellets again fuck i was hoping it was this pugs are awesome cats are dicks but like people on the, on the internet like cats so I post pictures of cats on my Facebook pages, but okay. Well, I'm bringing the pug back, so <laughs> follow Marjorie Tyrell B. She's got her own Instagram, which my fiance runs, and Twitter. Ooh, I, I need to get on that. Yeah, there's great pictures oh. of my beautiful pug 
roaming the landscape of New York. You deserve a oh, better Dan, name. We need, we need to get that into the show notes so people well, can I'll get into Pugs. See, I can't support that lifestyle. Oh, Eli, you need, support, to, you need to send me yeah, that link. I will send you the I link for that, as well as Pugs that. of Instagram, which okay. will change your life. <laughs> I also recommend the books of James Harriet while we're on it, but I'm just saying they will change your life. No, Pugs, I don't know, Dan, maybe by the I end of... Su- I can't support that lifestyle. It's, oh. it's, a, it's a lifestyle choice. This is why you need a change in morality, you see? <laughs> He's set in stone with his cat things. He is, he is, but maybe maybe we, you no, should I come want, back no, on to I want to get, talk whenever, about Pugs. Whenever more. I get a house with a yard, I'm going to get a husky, I decided, because I want a dog that I can take running with me. And if I, I think if I took a pug running with me, I would probably kill it. First of all, well, Pugs run like the wind. Full, they run like the majestic, fast. yeah. Aren't they, Eli? Like, they're they're, they're fast. so fast. They're so they're fast, so and they're so energetic. People, because it's like when they want to be fast, they're like, I am going to run like the fucking wind. Yeah, they sound but like then, you're choking a hooker to death, but you're yeah. not. They're actually, that's just all the oxygen is getting in and out for whatever reason. And they're, they're crushing it. Madge speeds around that dog park. She is next level about the dog park. I'm telling you, you could run like the wind. Also, a husky can kill you. Husky, I'm if okay it has a bad that. day, like, and you're cuddling I'm it, okay just that. bites you in the throat, and then you're dead. My pug could try as hard as she wants to kill me, <laughs> and I would just be like, what are you doing? And put her on her back, and then just roll her around a little bit, and she'd be like, ah, my plans are foiled. Yeah, no, there, there is no way that these dogs are going to harm us. Like, Eli and I are never going to die at the hands at the of paws our of our pug. We'll never die at the paws okay, of our pug. See, we are see, safe. If, if I, okay, so if I do die, and my cats do decide to eat me, how am I going to know? Is we'll know. Okay? It's more upsetting to us. Yeah. Well, you got to be concerned is that, is that for my, others, man. Is that my man. concern at that point? I'm dead. Well, like, I mean, what am I concerned about? I don't know. Like, I'll I'll be mildly sad if your cats kill you. I'll be upset if you get eaten by cats. Oh, I'll be whoa, over here we're not out. talking about cats murdering. Oh. oh. We're talking about, like, I'm, I'm dead. I'm and then they sur- eat your corpse. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I thought, I thought that the cats were the actual culprits of this death. But that's not too. You enjoyed Eli's appearance on our show, and I don't know how the hell you did not. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at at Eli Bosnick. You can also listen to him on his trifecta of podcasts that he appears on, uh, God Awful Movies, Skating Atheist, and The Skeptocrat. Links to everything we discussed tonight will be found online at ascienceenthusiast.com slash category slash podcast. Also, if you enjoyed the show, do consider checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash TSE podcast. That's the Science Enthusiast TSE podcast to get access to premium content as well as our non-eternal gratitude. We understand that not everyone can afford to financially contribute to the show, and that's okay. But if you can, just like James C., Michael T., Carlotta, and Michael B. have done, we would be incredibly grateful. Our guest next week is going to be Dr. John Snyder. He is a pediatrician in Massachusetts uh, where they just passed uh, recently the Naturopathic Practice Act, which basically gives uh, naturopaths a broad scope of practice, uh, stopping short, uh, making them primary care providers. So we're going to be breaking down that and talking about what we can do uh, within the skepticism movement to combat naturopathy. Natalie, hit us with the quote of the week. Science adjusts its views based on what's observed. Faith is the denial of that observation so that belief can be preserved. And that's Tim Minchin. Yeah. Good, right? That's a good quote. That's a good quote. I picked that one. That's a good quote. Good job, me, for our atheist show, which I really enjoy doing. The music you heard in this podcast was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. And we, I don't know, I don't know how much time you wanted to dedicate to us. I've got all the time in the world, as much time as you guys want to have me. Okay. Uh, like till like tomorrow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll fall asleep. I'll even, I'll even let you, I'll let you be the big spoon. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, Dan, where do you want to go now? Because I mean, um, you like you've been like you're you're fucking rad so far. So obviously. He's okay. He's just he's okay. Mediocre. Don't like a don't let him don't let him don't let him know how great right. he is because I'm not, I'm not sick my Twitter followers on you. His ego too hard right now. <laughs> I will crush you like Thunderfoot. Okay. Right. Squishy. Oh God! I, I Do you hear me, Dan? So. No, Dan. Dan, it's much funnier when I'm aiming that joke at Dan. That's oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. See how much funnier I, I, it is. I, I, in, I intercepted that. And... Don't intercept that joke. The threatening women on the internet's way too real. Way too so, real. I know. I'm, so, I'm already so, putting I'm, myself at risk. So yeah. 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 Everyone's a lizard. We have a Google uh, Doc for every episode that's just open, and we. And if it's not on the prompter, it's not going to get read. <laughs> oh wait, Dan, you're you're an anonymous wombat tonight. Sweet. I like. I preferred when you were an anonymous pumpkin, but. Okay. Oh. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever it means. So we, we went deep. I, I've got nothing to offer, guys. I'm just, my life is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's your outtake. I've got nothing to offer. My life is awesome. And then they eat your corpse. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought that the cats were the actual culprits of this. But that's, are you, are you married? That's not too.
Dan, are you Dan. married? Answer the question, Dan. We're, we're, we're going to edit this well, part out. Oh, Dan's not married anymore. Dan's divorced. Dan's going through a messy divorce right now, and I hit a pain point. That Eli, is, that fuck is, you, Eli. That is, that is, that is an ex... Uh, uh, I mean, depending on the day, it's a mildly to borderline extremely accurate, depending on the day. Oh, I was just doing a comedy bit. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Why did I no. hit so hard? Oh, I'm like, so sorry. Like, like, I was just a shot in the dark. You did, like, nail oh. on the goddamn head there. Oh. Oh, Eli. so good. Eli. Look at this edit point we found together. Uh, well, Eli, thanks for coming. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> no, I have a, no. I, I absolutely no. I absolutely have a sense of humor about it. And yeah. It's, it's it's totally okay. No, and that, that's why I'm not being terribly dickish. Oh uh, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's okay. all right. Anyways, Eli, you fucked up our show. Well, there we go. Well, it's an hour and eight minutes of like, good content, and then. Hour and... He just kept going with it, and I'm like, oh my god, like he doesn't know how accurate. I didn't. And he, he's just going. I mean, just doing comedy. I was like, it's like, is it that obvious? Yeah, someone type me something when that happens, people. Help me out. Throw me a bone here. Give... I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, I was not on our Facebook chat right now. Just stop oh, it, Eli. There's a chat thing right What the fuck chat are you right doing? Thing. Hey, man, look at this. Oh, yeah, type here yeah. in the chat. I That's just... real. Oh, yeah. Cut it out. Psst. How about psst? <laughs> just type the word psst. Uh, no, no, it's 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 completely. <laughs> the audience isn't gonna hear any of this. No, no. Mm. So, no, no. well, actually, that that could go that could go in the, uh, the outtakes at the end. No. <laughs> yeah, Dan, Dan's like, just... no, actually, it can't go in the outtakes at the end. That's Good thing bit. I don't edit the show then. Yeah, not that, not that, yeah I would say not that anybody that would be familiar with the situation would listen to or listen to it at all, or even look at my goddamn blog in the first place. But, uh, <clears throat> but anyways. <laughs> Should I stop recording? Uh, yeah, can you stop recording? I mean, I'm not your dad, so. I wish you were my dad.